Hey, Outcomes Rocket listeners, thanks for tuning into the podcast again. Tired of your business's healthcare costs unpredictably increasing every year? Healthcare costs are typically a business's second or third line item expense. And if you're like most employers, it's an expense that's growing faster than your revenue. Luckily for employers, Novetta Health has the solution. Novetta Health is a full-service healthcare consulting firm with proven strategies to lower your healthcare costs by up to 30% or more. They operate on a fee-for-service model and never mark up any of their medical or pharmaceutical claims. None of your employees have to leave their doctor or pharmacist either. Their health captive and pharmacy benefit manager are the most cost-effective and transparent solutions in the whole country. What they do is not magic, it's just honest. So if you're tired of overspending on health insurance and want to learn more, visit outcomesrocket.health save for a free spend analysis to see how you too could save by switching to Novetta Health. That's outcomesrocket.health save for your free spend analysis. Outcomesrocket.health save. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of hosting Pratik Chetri. He's a global health policy enthusiast, a scientist, an entrepreneur, and an unapologetic global justice fighter. Originally from Nepal, Pratik has worked with leaders from over two dozen countries, primarily on health justice and policy interventions. He is the founder director of Authentic Leadership Institute Nepal, A-L-I-N, that focuses on research and policy interventions to mitigate health and economic disparities of marginalized communities in Nepal and around the world. He has had several awards and recognitions, including recognition as Extraordinary Ability Individual in Global Health and Biomedical Research by the U.S. Immigration Service in 2015. He's been an invited speaker to events and conferences in Brazil, South Africa, Switzerland, India, Nepal, the U.S., and many more, including keynote speaker in Under 30 Changemakers Global Summit. Pratik has a Master in Public Health from the University of California, Berkeley, a Master's in Science and Chemistry from Central Michigan University. And today, we're going to dive into the topic of health rather than just medicine for today's conversation. So it's a true pleasure to have him on the podcast today. Pratik, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for the great introduction. It's a pleasure, man. And so did, did I leave anything out in the intro that you want to fill in or is it pretty thorough? No, that sounds, that sounds good enough. Fair enough. So Pratik, what is it that uh, got you into healthcare to begin with? Like you said, you know, I, I grew up in Nepal, right? It's a, a low-income country. If you go by World Bank standard, it's one of the least developed countries uh, in the world. And growing up, I grew up in a, in a lower middle, middle income family in Nepal, which by U.S. standard, it's uh, dirt poor. And even beyond that, you know, I saw things that I thought weren't supposed to be. For example, you know, people dying out of diarrhea, people dying out of bleeding, or moms dying because they weren't able to go to the nearest health post on time. And I, I knew, growing up, I knew those weren't right, but I was not in a position where I could actually make change or my mind wasn't developed enough, matured enough how I could be a part of that change. But long story short, I moved to the United States uh, in 2007 and uh, had great opportunities to join in a couple of nonprofits, particularly this uh, one nonprofit called Universities Ally for Essential Medicines that focuses on access to 
existing medications, life-saving medications around the world, primarily in low and middle-income countries like Nepal, like India, parts of Africa, Asia, South America. And mostly that's where I actually found my voice. I found even as a student, even as someone who didn't have a lot of degrees, I could still be part of this change, global change. So I guess to answer your question, there was already that seed inside me who mm -hmm. wanted to work in, in health and in addressing inequality, but it was not until after I moved to the United States that opportunities popped up and uh, it was more clear to me. That's great. And uh, from early on, you saw these things, you know, you said people dying of things that really they shouldn't have been dying about. You, you knew deep down inside there was something wrong about that and you knew you wanted to do something. You came to the States, then found your, found your legs, so to speak, and your voice. And now you're, you're doing what you do. I think it's a great story. What would you say today needs to be on the mind of health leaders at the top of the agenda and how are you approaching it? I think uh, largely for health leaders, I would, if I could convince people to focus on one thing, I would say get out of their disciplinary silos, right? Because yeah. there have been a lot of pop-ups, you know, a lot of startups uh, who have started this and that in, in parts of various parts of the world, and they failed. And largely, you know, if you look into X, Y, and Z project, why did it fail? It comes down to people not working across the aisle, people not thinking ahead what the problems could be, you know, two years, five years, 10 years down the line. So if I had a choice, I would tell these quote-unquote experts to be a little interdisciplinary, read. <laughs> there are a lot of, you know, online free resources available. And if you are not, uh, you know, into reading, you know, discovering yourself, make friends, make friends from different disciplines, you know. If you're in sciences, like working in, in the lab all day long, go ahead, hang out with your anthropologist friends or your economist friends and try to think, have a global mindset of how things are, what things could be, not only right now, but 10 years, 20 years, 30 years down the line. I think that's great advice. And especially today where we're sort of working hard to, to try to tackle, at least in the States, the value-based care you know, opportunity and globally, where we have companies that have technologies that could expand globally, what can we do outside of this country? You know, I think you're, you bring a nice global approach to the discussion here. What would you say an example of, of, of something that you've done, an organization you've been with, to improve outcomes or, or just improve the overall health of the population? I should, uh, I briefly talked about UAEM, Universities Allied for Essential Medicines, and uh, I would say I'm, I'm most proud of uh, my, my tenure within that organization. It's mm -hmm. primarily student-driven organization, student leaders, uh, you know, bachelors up until your PhDs, different levels of uh, graduate school across different disciplines, you know, sciences, medicine, public health, economics, anthropology, English literature, you name it. But the idea is around the gap in access to medicines, access to existing medicines. You know, all of these, for example, an example of insulin, it was discovered in 1922. And we are almost 100 years uh, past that time, but insulin is still unaffordable in most parts of the world. 
a couple of three to four large companies own. They don't even own the patent, but they have the monopoly in such a way that other entities cannot infiltrate. Or if you're talking about diabetic people from low and middle income countries, they just cannot afford it. And a lot of times they just die, right? So uh, if I'm talking about one of the things that, that I'm mostly proud of, the work that I did within UAEM, a couple of things we did was we pushed for a couple of legislations at WHO, uh, World Health Organization level, to push for a uh, new R&D paradigm where we push this funding-based outcome model. So if you look at the current argument why medicines are expensive, the go-to answer is research is too expensive. And uh, one of the policies that we push for at, at WHO level is why don't we move out of that, that model and why don't each of the governments around the world put in, chip in some money and use that research pool to fund, you know, X, Y, and Z research products like health, health research. And if we go that route, then we don't have that argument that, you know, medicines are expensive because we spent this amount of millions and billions uh, amount of dollars. So what we did at the WHO level, I mean, it was not fully passed. But a lot of countries, a lot of delegates from uh, various low and middle income countries, including some of the high income countries, learned about that model. And right now they're finding ways to incorporate that idea into their national legislations, even if we are not yet to the, you know, implementing that at the WHO level. I can go on, but that was one of the, I would say, successes that I'm proud of within the organization UAEM. Outstanding. Yeah, that's, um, that's, that's definitely big. And going back to the topic of, of access, I think it's, uh, it's critical that we take a look at cost models like that. Tell me about a time when you had a setback or, or failed. What did you learn from that that's made you better? <laughs> so I will go back about seven years ago. I had just graduated with my bachelor's by this. Uh, so in, in 2012, I was still in Michigan. I had graduated with a bachelor's in biomedical science, uh, chemistry, and mathematics degree, and I had just started uh, my master's in chemistry. And by that time, I was already involved with UAEM, primarily in in advocacy in low and middle income countries. And uh, what UAEM does greatly uh, is not only focus on the the international level legislations and policies, but also pushes for policies at at grassroots level, at local, regional, uh, statewide, national levels, right? And a core part of it is uh, student empowerment. So empowering the the next generation uh, to give them some some confidence, some encouragement that they can be a major player of this this change that we're talking about, right? So at uh, Central Michigan University, we and it's it's relatively unknown <laughs> tends to be relatively unknown university and in, in the US sphere but even within that uh, small university by that time we had formed a coalition of students faculty research uh, folks and even including some of the public and which included you know native american uh, members of native american tribe and uh, the idea that came out was let's move ahead and create a an interdisciplinary uh, certificate for undergraduate interdisciplinary social justice and health certificate 
and which initially when we started working with people from you know anthropology business uh communication um you know there are people from science and technology the obvious ones initially we thought it would take maybe max of six months and uh, unfortunately we got such a you know setback especially from the mm -hmm. dean's level from the administration level it took us uh, another six years and you know i graduated i moved on and you know i had to pass the baton to the next generation the some of the faculty were still there and it eventually the certificate was created in uh, in social justice and global health but i think initially we were too naive and thought you know this is a relatively easy task that we already have people to you know come on board and design these new courses and put them together we wouldn't need that much of a of convincing to the upper administration and that's where we were, I think, a little naive. And uh, what I learned out of it is to be patient, to be resilient, especially right now, I work with governments, uh, a lot of bureaucrats, and uh, to a certain extent, academia as well. And the levels of patiently waiting, uh, the levels of unnecessary bureaucracy, all of those still exist, especially in, in low and middle income countries in Nepal and India, where uh, right now I'm working at, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. It taught me to be a lot more patient than I was earlier. Yeah, that's a that's a good lesson, and it just uh, thinking about how long things actually take. Yeah, yeah. You know, in my mind, uh, it seems like <laughs> healthcare and academia are probably two of the slowest moving fields. And you decided to work on the crossroads both. of both. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So, lucky uh, me. You like pain, my friend. You like pain. <laughs> yeah, but, but you know what? We need, we need people focused on this. And uh, I think it's critical that you guys laid the foundations for the course. Now it's, it's up and running. And so kudos to you guys for, for getting that done. Tell me what an exciting project or focus you're working on today is. Sure. So right now, I just got back from India about a couple of days ago. And uh, I'll be in Nepal for another, you know, less than a month. And uh, part of this, uh, this day, what I'm trying to focus on is I'm trying to build on the networks that I've made the past couple of times that I came to Nepal uh, in academia, in nonprofit, in business entrepreneurship, and in the government. And, uh, you know, it, it took uh, longer than I thought. But right now, one of the projects uh, that I'm really excited about is we're having this conversation with the National Insurance Board, the newly formed National Health Insurance Board uh, in government of Nepal, which will be in charge of providing health care to all the Nepalese and uh, marching toward universal health care. But, you know, universal health care, when you say it, sounds good, but when in terms of implementation, it's, it's a lot of like minute details, a lot of expertise, a lot of evidence-based decisions that you need to take. So I'm having this conversation with the, with the insurance board and one of the major healthcare nonprofit that the government, they already have a lot of buy-in from the government, even on health policy. So I'm trying to build, act as a conduit between this nonprofit and the government to 
try to use some of my skills, some of my uh, expertise in, in global health policy and uh, health systems to hopefully push the insurance board toward actually creating a path to universal health coverage, you know, and which will take another 20, 25, 30 years down the line, but at least to start the framework right. That's where um, I'm trying to fill in that, that gap. So that's what I'm, I'm mostly excited about right now. That's great, Pratik. And uh, definitely takes a lot of work and, and you got to start somewhere, kind of like that course. You guys are starting <laughs> hey, you guys will eventually get done, whether it's you holding yeah. the on or the next guy or gal, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, getting close to the, the end of our interview here, the next part is a quick lightning round. So I'm going to ask you a couple questions. You, you'll answer with brief answers. And then we'll end with a book That'll that you recommend to the listeners. What's that? That would be hard, like quick answers. <laughs> as quick <laughs> as you try. can. Yeah. And then from there, we'll, we'll conclude. So here's the first one. What's the best way to improve healthcare outcomes? I think focus on the most marginalized people in society and go from there. What's the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid? Being in your own disciplinary silos and not communicating enough with people across different disciplines, different sectors. How do you stay relevant as an organization despite constant change? Be open to change, learn, make friends with people from different disciplines. What is one area of focus that drives everything in your organization? Justice, fairness, not only from a moral standpoint, but a very strong economic standpoint. What is your number one health habit? Trying to understand what the other person might be coming from and trying to come up with solutions to whatever the question is, whatever the problem is from not only from my expert, quote unquote, expert point of view, but also from their point of view. I don't know if that answers that question. I think that one falls under my next one, which was what, what is your number one <laughs> success habit? But what would you say your number one health habit is? Empathy, trying to be empathetic. And uh, I think a lot of times, like, I need to take a step back and out of my, you know, quote unquote, expert, expert uh, stance and going back to the community standpoint or different point of views that there might be. Love it. And uh, what book would you recommend to the listeners? The two books that I absolutely adored and uh, changed my life literally are. One, Mountains Beyond Mountains. It's mm. a biography on uh, Dr. Paul Farmer, who is a global health guru. And the other one is an economics book. The first one, Mountains Beyond Mountains, is by Tracy Kidder. And the second one is called Poor Economics. It's by Esther Duflo and Abhijit Banerjee. Both are MIT economists, at least were at some point. Very cool. Two good recommendations. And and so, folks, if you want to get a link to this interview, all of the show notes, links to the books, as well as the work that Pratik does, just go to outcomesrocket.health, and in the search bar, type in Pratik, that's P-R-A-T-I-K. You'll find all of that, including a full transcript of the interview today there. Pratik, before we conclude, I'd love if you could just share a closing thought, and then the best place where the listeners could get in touch with you or follow your work. Sure. I would just say, you know, overall, today we talked about health, right? And overall, if you look at 
today and and the future, you know, 10 years, 15 years, 30 years down the line, it's what we are aiming for is a balance between society, economy, and the environment. And health is just, it's at the core of it. I would highly encourage you to not only think about right now, what are the problems of yourselves right now, but what the problems could be for the next generation. And along with that, what the solutions could be, interdisciplinary, transdisciplinary solutions that could be, and what could, what might your role be in, in that larger, larger level of solutions. And, you know, just be positive for any kind of change, uh, even if you're initially hesitant to it, and try to have a global set of worldview, even if you might work in, you know, very small community level, having that global worldview. Personally, I mean, it helped me go through and, you know, a lot of personal adversity at times as well. And other than that, I'm on uh, most of these social media, uh, you know, LinkedIn, uh, Facebook. I'm not that much Instagram savvy, but I've recently started doing it. Yeah, Twitter. Yeah, feel free to send me an email to Pratik underscore Chetri at berkeley.edu or any of those, all of those uh, other social media platforms. Outstanding, Pratik. Thank you so much. And listeners, feel free to reach out to him. He's wanting to collaborate to, for the, with anybody else that's looking to make a difference on global health. So Pratik, thank you so much and uh, looking forward to staying in touch with you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Saul. Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more. 